0: Welcome to the Principled Podcast brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. Welcome to another episode of LRN's Principled Podcast. My name is Ben Di Pietro. I'm the editor of LRN's ENC Pulse Newsletter. I hope you can find that and subscribe. With me today is Sandra Garrow. She's the managing partner of Better Governance and currently a board member of uh, two companies, Valet, SA, and Grand Bio. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you for taking time to join us today.
1: Thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you.
0: Can you give me a little bit about your career path, how it's led you to your current positions And tell me a little bit about Better Governance and what you do there as the managing partner.
1: Well, my career was, let's say, kind of different from the one from my generation, because I have, let's say, multiple experiences in multiple industries. I started as a journalist, graduated in communication. And for the first 10 years of my career, I was a journalist, uh, chief reporter, working in, in media companies. From that, I moved on to communications consultancy, and then marketing. And then I was hired to be an executive in a company, primarily in the marketing function, evolving in other functions, and also included a CEO experience for a small multinational in Brazil. At the same time as I was going through my career, I was invited to be part of a meeting at the beginning that led in the same year to the creation of the Brazilian Institute of Corporate Governance. Alongside of my career, I started my involvement with corporate governance and I was a member of the board, of the first board of this organization back in 95. And then I also was the chair of the board from 2012 to 2016. I had my last position as an executive and in an IT services company. And uh, when I left the company in 2005, I opened my consultancy, a firm, Better Governance which is focus on a board of directors so we deal with issues and opportunities related to board of directors we do assessments board evaluation succession plans for the ceo or the chair we work with family controlled company listed controlled companies foundations any sort of organizations uh, because we focus on the governance opportunities and problems in different uh, scenarios.
0: So what sparked your interest then in corporate governance?
1: Well, I was invited in 1995, as I was mentioned, by the founding father of uh, this uh, organization created in Brazil, Benthouf, a Swedish citizen that was living for many, many years in Brazil. And he invite, m- invited me to be part of a discussion focused on how boards could create value to companies. You can imagine that back in '95, uh, board of directors were playing mainly a paper role, let's say, fulfilling uh, you know requirements of uh, legislation and so on. So the idea was to have discussions where. Uh, we would focus on how we could make improvements in companies, and even suggest improvements in regulation to uh, make the board to get a more uh, protagonist uh, role in the directions of uh, the companies. That was uh, '95. I had no experience whatsoever in governance, and I also asked to Ben, why are you inviting me to this meeting? Because I see lawyers, I see directors, I see, uh, you know, family firm consultants. And he said, well, no one has your background, which back then would be marketing and communication. You are a very fast learner. So if you like this topic, I'm sure that you will contribute a lot. And I got in love with corporate governance back then. So That's why I started my involvement with corporate governance.
0: It just shows the unexpected paths are the ones that take you forward. You've also been a member of Valet's board now since 2017. That was after their first dam accident and before the second one. If you can talk a little bit about why didn't the first incident lead to the changes that might have been needed to prevent the second one?
1: Well there were uh, lots of changes as you said I, I arrived um, more than two years after the um, the um uh dam uh, uh, problem uh, and I have noticed when I arrived lots of initiatives in regards to improve uh, for instance uh, risk management practice methodology structure and so on by the way I was the first one to be interviewed by a third um, independent party—a project on, you know, uh, defining uh, the, gov- the governance risk model and management risk model for the company. So lots of elements were being put in place in uh, after uh, Fundão, after Mariana. Uh, By the way, when I arrived to the board, I asked for lots of meetings and interviews to be, you know, to be informed by the company. And one of them uh, was with, back then, three uh, executives responsible for the management of uh, the dams, uh, all the structures uh, that the company would have at that point in time. So I learned from my first uh, 15 days in the company, I, I learned a lot about dams. And I was informed back then, all the changes that they have inserted, that they have incorporated in how they would manage, you know, the dams and so on. But obviously, everything that was done was not enough. And let me put this in a broader context because uh, you do not uh, manage them only internally in a company, you uh, depends on regulating agencies. You depends on practice norms, so you cannot do whatever. I mean, you depend on on lots of approvals of such agencies and regulations to do whatever you you should do. So my understanding is that all the environment in the society and i include everything the you know the agencies the regulation the providers the ones working in the dams around the world were not in the position of preventing a situation as we live in Brumadinho if we may consider eventually Brumadinho has triggered a reaction in chain all over the society that prompts all the organizations involved to have a different approach to that. So the impact, the you know, the huge effects and the dramacity that involved this uh, incident was such that triggered that the whole society changed. Uh, the view in regards to how uh, dams would be managed around the world. So you see not only company companies' initiatives, but you see regulators' initiatives, industry sector initiatives, like the one of ICMM, creating a global standard for the management of such structures. So I think that the depths and, you know, of the, the what happened in Brumadinho triggered another level of awareness concerns. I would say that one of the elements that I see uh, the main change that happened is precisely related to culture. And culture is something that takes time to want to change in in a company or a certain environment or certain level of society. And I think that this issue was so big, so important, that, you know, open eyes and hearts and minds of everyone, creating the conditions to change culture. In the company, we are uh, having a culture transformation project since last year with hundreds of initiatives, uh, individual ones, group ones, uh, each geography involved in a certain level. We are having assessments in many aspects of, uh, you know, the culture. We are assessment how uh, the changing is occurring through time, through the project. The board supervises, monitors all the improvements and all the initiatives through time i can say that we can see results tangible results not only the results of the training programs the attendance the changes and the, uh, the you know the improvements that we see in the assessments but we see actual changes in you know the behavior of the company for instance uh, this year we had a problem in mozambique in the conveyor belt because of uh, you know the Problems with the equipment, problems possibly with the maintenance of uh, the belt, and so on. Uh, the decision was to stop the operation for around three weeks or so. Which, for me, it's more telling of the improvement in regards to the culture than any other single measure, because stopping a mine for three weeks has a big impact in all the employees and everyone around that mine. So taking this attitude, uh, communicates internally to the company and externally that uh, the company is being serious about putting safety first. So no matter if it will impact EBITDA, no matter if it will impact uh, production, this is something that, Uh, It's very meaningful to say safety comes first. So I I believe that the culture change, not only in Vale, but in the mining sector as a whole is the important movement that we are seeing in changing mining as we know it for good and forever.
0: What can organizations then learn from Vale's experiences, especially as it relates to their ethics and compliance programs and oversight of some of the issues that... uh, led to this uh, incident.
1: Brazil has been uh, in a number of issues related to corruption in operations that are uh, happening in Brazil with many, many uh, executives, boards, and companies uh, being uh, involved in judicial process. And so on. you car wash the operation, it was called, internationally, Lava Jato, here in Brazil. And although Vale would hire all the time, these construction companies that were involved in this scandal, corruption scandals, there was not any one problem in regards to uh, Valley hiring those companies. So it was a big test because Vale is really, really a big, big contractor of those companies. So not having been involved in any of the multiple process that happen in Brazil is already a good thing. But besides that, we believe that there would be uh, room for improvement. And what we did was, uh, in the past, we would have uh, the whistleblower channel uh, in a function, the internal audit, and there would be another one reporting to uh, the legal counsel in charge of laundry money, the corruption law, and so on. So there will be three different roles reporting differently, two to the board, one to the legal counsel. What we did was that we changed the structure. We created chief compliance officer reporting directly to the board, interacting with the audit committee in a regular basis. And this new chief executive officer that was hired outside the company with a very good experience, particularly on behavioral aspects of all these elements. He has uh, today the three functions reporting to him the whistleblower channel, the internal audit, and you know, all the integrity elements and process um, in regards to all the issues involved. And when it comes to auditing, for instance, the whistleblower channel, there would be a third part, independent third part, to do the auditing because uh, they are, you know, uh, organizations all reporting to one executive.
0: So beyond valet, then, what are some issues you see driving corporate boards in 2021?
1: Boards had uh, learned a lot from uh, the experience with the pandemic that we, we have been facing. And this would Uh, highlighted uh, the importance of the S of the uh, ESG, Environment Social Governance. So I believe that the social uh, part of uh, this equation entered the boardroom in a very special manner manner because uh, boards had to face issues with employees, uh, providers, all the supply chain, and, and deal with these human factors in a very bold manner, from one, one moment to another, find solutions. So it facilitates the understanding of the boards in regards to the social aspects and the social impacts of uh, the business.
0: How can E&C professionals become more essential then to boards and directors? Is e giving the board what it needs when it comes to assessing culture and identifying potential risks and issues?
1: There would be the need of having this um, openness to understanding the board culture and what has uh, to be changed. I think that, you know, third parties are also very valuable because, uh, they make us see uh, what we cannot see when you are inside when you are part of the equation you you don't have the objective objectivity and uh, it requires someone else to show you to bring to your attention things that you don't see or things that you do not want to see so i believe that you know third parties are always a very good element to help boards uh, navigating in such uh, matters and uh, and identifying the the issues, the problems that have to be addressed.
0: I want to thank you for uh, taking time with us today and uh, sharing those insights. I really appreciate it, and uh, wish you luck in the future and uh, stay safe down there in Brazil with all the COVID.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Ben, for this opportunity. It was Very nice talking to you. We hope you
0: enjoyed this episode. The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning, ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.